We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking money, invested in more. Oh, my, 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 my. I want to talk about something kind of interesting, and I got tickets to give away this segment, so sit by the edge of your seat. I hate Andrew Lloyd Webber. I hate Cats. I hate Phantom of the Opera. I hate Broadway. Hate it. Hate everything about it. I know you're saying, did you grow up in a Broadway musical family? No. Do you know how much money Andrew Lloyd Webber makes every time Cats is performed or any of his Broadway shows. It's a lot. Most stage musical composers are given what's called grand rights. This is where the composer is paid a certain amount each time the song is played. I heard at one point in time he's paid about $5,000 per performance of any big Broadway show. Whoa. And at any point in time, you can travel around the world and see that these shows are going on everywhere, whether it's cats, meow, 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 meow. whether it's starlight express, which has to be one of the most dreadful musicals of all time. It's a, it's a Broadway show about trains. There's a steam train and a nuclear train and a bullet train. And they all are on roller skates and they build the arena. They build the auditorium to look like a train track and people roller skate over your head. And what a waste of time. It's basically cats, which one cat has to get the ninth life every year or something like that. The train has to get an extra. I I don't even understand it. Jesus Christ, superstar. Who in the world do you think you are? So Jesus Christ, superstar, Joseph, the Technicolor raincoat, fan of the opera. Man makes big money. How much is Andrew Lloyd Webber worth? $1.2 $1.2 billion. Okay, okay. I, 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 I can live with that. I get that he's come up with a business model that has made some do-re-me. His vocation is into composing, understood, has a value. Um, 
he's been knighted and things like that by Queen Elizabeth. So he's got something kind of fun. Estimated net worth of $1.2 billion. He doesn't believe in inherited money. Oh, could you imagine if you hit the lottery ticket and boom, your dad's Andrew Lloyd Webber? And he's like, I'm giving away all my money. Um, yeah. He doesn't believe in inherited money. Is it, How do you feel about that? I feel like the world's getting tougher and tougher. And if you have kids, you should definitely set them up for success on some levels. Does that include giving them cash? It's a big question. Do you and your spouse agree on it? So he wants his kids to have incentive to work. He's going to give them a start in life, but they ain't growing up owning the really expensive stuff, he says. He wants to encourage the arts. That's right. So Weber started what's called the Really Useful Group in 1977. It's a musical group that revolves around music, TV, film, video, concert, merchandising. Merchandising. That's another thing that pisses me off. You go to Vegas, you see a Michael Jackson show, and they, oh, here's all this Michael Jackson $14 Pepsi commemorative cup. Wow, I wonder, with radio stations pulling Michael Jackson songs recently, will Vegas pull the Michael Jackson show? Or is it all about the money? He said something kind of interesting Andrew Lloyd Webber did at one point in time. He said, creativity, there's no formula. And do you know how many people heard Peter Frampton get an interview this week? And he had a big, big live album back in the 70s. And he's considered one of the greatest guitar players of all time. And he's played some of the greatest guitar with some greatest guitar bands of all time. Um, I know, I know, I know. But you know what he said? In an interview, he said something like, I wish I could. He goes, I wrote that song, Hey, baby, baby, I love you away. And he wrote another song. In the same day, he says, if I could go back and have one more creative day, it's been 45, 50 years since he's had that kind of creativity. So it's not always as easy as you think. I'm getting a lot of people asking me about like, hey, marijuana looks like a big booming area of business. I'm surprised there's not a radio show about marijuana yet on the station because somebody's going to come up with it. I know some people who are selling some trinkets for the marijuana industry. They're going to all the trade shows. That's cute, but it's tough to get that killer idea of how are you going to stand out differently. Poppy needs that sticky icky for his glaucoma. Yeah. So Andrew Lloyd Webber, I don't really hate. It's tough to hate a guy who works with Elton John's AIDS Foundation or Prostate Cancer UK or Children of War. I get it. I get it. I'm just being a bit of a jerk because it's segueing into another segment. Cirque du Soleil. There's a company that came up with the concept of a circus of sun without animals. That's kind of cool, right? It's different. Now, you look around, you go to Orlando, you go to Washington, D.C., you go to Newark, New Jersey, and there's big Cirque du Soleil tents everywhere right now. The history of the company goes back to the 1980s. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Tickets coming up for Cirque du Soleil, just in case you can't figure out the obvious with me. Um, but I like that they reimagined a circus. And every now and then you'll see a movie that's reimagined. Maybe it's, I don't know, 
you can't reimagine Star Wars. It has to be the cheap, you know, 1977 special effects. Otherwise, it's just no good. But when you take animals and uh, out of a circus, I love it. I, what's people's fascination with putting uh, an elephant on a train and moving them from city to city? Uh, I'm talking about I endorse a stampeding elephant in circus circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So Circus Soleil has grown pretty consistently. I think they were hired by the city of Quebec to honor the city's heritage, some 450-year-old dead guy. And that's where they got their start. Two street performers, Guy Saint-Croix and Guy Garibata. Humble beginnings. Got a little help from their friends, Canadian Council of the Arts. They funded the first Cirque show. Le Grand Tour de Cirque Soleil was born. We are the greatest Canadians ever. I know you're saying, interesting, Rob, that your Canadian impression's a little bit too close to the French. I'm doing Canadian French, okay? I'm French! Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? I had no interest in seeing a Cirque du Soleil show. And then I came to California 20 years ago, and everyone at my work is like, hey, we're going to Vegas for CES, and you want to see O while we're there? I'm like, no. And then I see O, and it's... It's pretty interesting the fact that you could build like a 40-foot tower and jump in water inside of a building that didn't have a pool there. But, okay. So, <laughs> that's all I got for you. Okay. I've got nothing else other than tickets. Two tickets. Not a family four-pack, just a, a two-pack. How about a date night? Winner receives a pair of passes for Volta playing on the big top at Santa Clara County Fairgrounds Thursday, March 14th. That's kind of right around the corner. For another chance to win, you go to the contest page at kdow.biz. If you don't, be the caller here, 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. Go to kdow.biz, and you can uh, sign up online. Maybe I'll do that, but I'm an employee. I can't do it. Volta is a captivating voyage of discovery that showcases never been seen before under the big top acrobatics in a virtually striking world, driven by a stirring melodic score and inspired in part by adventurous spirits. Check it out at CirqueDuSoleil.com forward slash Volta. Find me, call 800-516-1220 to get that winning set of tickets. There's a mountain top that I'm dreaming of. If you need me, you know where I'll be. I'll be riding shotgun. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. First Friday of the month, jobs report. I don't bore you with a lot of economic data. It's just not my thing. It's um, I, I think that's where people kind of lose interest in investing when you get into the a lot of the economic data points. So let's talk about the market, and then we're going to talk about the jobs number, and then we're going to talk about where we're going. S&P 500 had only one losing streak so far in 2019. One losing week in 2019. Hmm. What's that telling us? What's coming up? Um, And that week, when it was week prior to this week, it was down two-tenths of a percent. So we've had a really good start of the year. March forward, March forward, March forward. This week, not so much. Back 1.95%. 
And it's probably going to end them for the week because that jobs report. We'll get to that in uno momentero. We can include other elements that are out there other than just consolidation. Uh, consolidating big gains, consolidating a big run, taking a breather, whatever you want to call it. There's some other elements. There's an awareness that there's a global slowdown, global slowing down, global slowdown. Global growth, global growth is slowing. Global, global gobble gobble. Global growth is slowing. And we're hearing that from the European unions and their bankers, and we're hearing it from Asia and China, and we're seeing it in some of the trade numbers. So there's some slowing global growth. There's some consolidation. There's a trade deal with China that might fall short of expectations. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? Whisk. It gets a collar clean. So um, it's kind of, I don't know if I'm using the word correctly, nettlesome. Nettlesome um, that, you know, we're not quite where we want to be. So there's an awareness the S&P 500 has been unable to break higher than its 200-day moving average or unable to really break through it. We're going nowhere fast. We're just going sideways. So same same thing with the NASDAQ, Russell, and Dow Jones transportation average. China filled the bucket of global growth concerns and reporting a much weaker than expected 20% year-to-year decline in February exports. Holy shnikes. 20% down in in exports? (laughs) It's... Can you feel the burn? U.S. Ambassador to China, Terry Branstad, filled the bucket of trade deal concerns. He told the Wall Street Journal that a date has not yet been set for a summit because neither side feels an agreement is imminent. Now, Monday when we started the week, we said, looks like Mar-a-Lago has been booked for a summit at the end of March. Uh, Sometimes the starts and stops are the most painful thing. The distance between what you want and what you get is frustrating. The employment situation report got a little bit muddier. It's not crystal clear. The headline that jumps out to everyone is that we only added 20,000 jobs in February, well below expectations. Some people are blaming the snow and the wintry conditions. Average hourly earnings increased four-tenths of a percent which left the year-over-year wage figure up about 3.4%. That's good news. It underpins future consumer spending. We spend what we make. Key takeaway from the report is that the weak payroll figures will drive thoughts of either there being a shortage of skilled labor that would drive up wages, or that there's a sign of a softening job market. So there's a little bit of uncertainty here. And it's tea leaves, right? I've never, ever, ever, never had my my future or my fortune told by tea leaves, but someone has. So when you take a look at the numbers, the data is boring. I can tell you the unemployment rate was 3.8% versus 4% in January. That's pretty darn good. That's kind of tricky, though, too, because sometimes it doesn't show discouraged workers or people who have just left the workforce altogether. Mama, I'm coming home to live with you in the trailer and daddy. Persons unemployed for 27 weeks or more accounted for 20.4% of the unemployed. 
So that number is increasing slightly from January. Now, can you imagine being unemployed for 27 weeks? Now, let's just say there's 54 weeks in a year, because that's more convenient than 52 with the whole 27-week thing and leap year and all that kind of stuff that I can't keep in my head anymore. I could barely roll back the clock on daylight savings time. Or, oh, it's spring forward this year, this time. But 27 weeks, let's say you work for 30 years. That's 160th of your working years to be unemployed for 27 weeks. Now, I know you're saying 160th doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Because don't forget, you have to pay rent. You have to pay mortgages. You have to pay food. You have to save money. You have to live life. Kiss a girl. So that's all out there. Um, And that's kind of the big thing that we're focusing on. 3.8% is a good number, but we're not really adding. And the job openings report that we saw earlier this week told us that there's a demand for skilled workers. And there was also another report this week that said some companies are just hiring people. If your temperature is 98.6, come on in. If you went to college, we'll figure out where to put you later. We, We need skilled people. We need workers. So now's the best time, in theory, according to data, to be looking for a job. Bosses are, are their backs are against the wall. So if you're underemployed, if you're unemployed, if you don't like your boss, don't tell your take take. Don't go to boss and say take this job and shove it. What's it? What's up with those country singers and those big deep male voices? I ain't working here no more. So China reported much weaker than expected, twenty percent drop in February exports. The non-farm payrolls increased just by 20,000. We kind of wanted a number like 170,000, but we're kind of blaming the weather at this point in time. Are you with me? Are you against me? Because this is a civil war, and you need to choose a side. There will be a winner, and there will be many, many, many losers. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. When she goes after tech companies, sometimes I want to call her a dirty Indian name. Like Donald Trump does. And then I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Internal editor on. Internal editor on. Firewalls up. Firewalls up. But Senator Senator Elizabeth Warren, Massachusetts Democrat and 2020 presidential candidate, has proposed a plan to break up some of the country's largest tech companies, Amazon, Google, and Facebook. Great Google and Moogle, right? The plan calls for banning tech giants from both providing a marketplace and selling their product on the same marketplace and appointment of new regulators that would undo mergers between massive tech companies. Amazon would be broken up from Whole Foods. They'd have to spin that back off. We may. Uh, this means we break Facebook away from Instagram and WhatsApp, Amazon from Whole Foods, Google away from Nest. Um, how desperate is the country to follow that kind of leadership? I don't know. But she's a pretty powerful voice for the left. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. A week to forget, an affair to remember. 
All three major stock indices fell in response to news. The U.S. economy added just 20,000 jobs. That's a weak number. But again, you don't look at job creation in a one-month period because weather, because of sometimes disasters, because sometimes uh, it's just the data is just too short to really see a trend. But it's not. It's it's alarming. It's alarming. Um, we have people coming to the United States on a regular basis. We create jobs. We make babies. We create jobs. Uh, we'll have more nurses next year than we have this year. That's the kind of thinking that you need to have if you believe in the U.S. economy. China's Shanghai Composite Index fell hard after the country reported a February plunge in exports. Look out below. Going lower sound effect. Apple's pushing Apple News, but publishers aren't playing along. Seems like the shine has kind of come off the Apple magic, so to speak. Tim Cook's trying to wrangle a bunch of big-name publishers to contribute to a new Apple News subscription service kicking off in March. Something that's magical. Apple's proposing to keep 50% of the revenues and keep all the subscriber data. Publishers said no. You know, when you're starting to look at some of these companies, saying no to a company like Apple's tough to do. You've seen roughly 2,000 journalism jobs vanish in the last two weeks. It's apocalyptic out there. I don't know why anyone would want to get into radio or television right now. Having worked in radio or television, it's an industry that seems to be under siege. Now, there's niches. There's conservative talk radio. There's liberal talk radio. Conservative tends to do better in the ratings. Don't know why. There's Chinese language radio. Like, there's really specific bullet shots. But BuzzFeed, AOL, Yahoo, Huffington Post, Gannett, and Vice all fired people in the last two weeks in journalism. That's tough. If you take a look at a lot of websites now, they hire a lot of kids out of college, and they say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't come into work. Just submit the article online. Don't come into work. No, 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 no. We don't, you don't, we're not giving you a desk. Your desk is uh, at your house, laptop at Starbucks. And submit an article. That's a tough way to make a living. Right? Good. Good job. There's a profitable model for digital news. There is. It just happens not to involve taking piles of money from venture capital firms looking for ridiculous returns, offering disposable clickbait content, relying on digital advertising pennies, handing your most valuable revenue and consumer data over to Apple. People don't want to do it. This is a really... When you have Elizabeth Warren going after tech companies, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Google... It's telling you something like, whoa, we, in, yesterday, not yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before that Zuckerberg said, um, we're going to set up Facebook so that part of your information is shared with no one. And another, if you go visit another part of Facebook, we'll share that information. And if you go to another, like, what are you That's doing, Zuckerberg? That, like, you can't do that. So the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the Guardian are all hiring and expanding. Other national titles like Wired, Atlantic, and Vanity Fair as well. So there's some companies that have kind of stayed in the print market, stayed in their own digital walls market. And they've done okay. But then you start getting some ancillary media companies, and they're really struggling. And Apple's trying to figure it out. Will Apple pull it off? I don't know. I don't. Subscription services are starting to become the bane of my existence. 
I'm reading more and more research and data that people have unused subscription services. And the best one I could tell you about is Costco. 20 years ago, when I'd listen to Costco conference calls, they used to brag about how many members they had that were dead. And you're like, what? Like, yeah, they're, they're, they'd still sign up to their bank account and their, their, their family's still paying for some reason. Stupid. I have a gym account that I don't use as much as I should. Stupid. I used to have a Spotify account. Canceled it because I own Apple shares, so I use Apple Music instead. But I use the family plan, and family plan, you can share it with four members or five members. So I try to get the most out of that fourteen ninety nine subscription. Food boxes, productivity apps, they're all out there. Um, I have iTunes warn me anytime there's a subscription coming up, a renewal. Like, let's say you go on vacation and you're all loving. You're having an affair to remember, not a week to forget. And um, you're like, let's meditate together. That'll be fun. Let's meditate. And you get on your phones and you find a meditation app and you sit there and you both go, oh, She goes back, dumps you for a better looking dude who happens to sell perfumes and luxury items for a living. So she smells good, looks good. You've been in the dumper. And a year later, you're like, what? I have a $99 subscription to a meditation app? I don't even ever remember getting that. Subscriptions are the bane. But they're also kind of the paradigm shift right now on Wall Street. If you have content, you put up a firewall, you've got something people want. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So subscriptions are are tough. Apple's trying to figure it out. It's kind of a a theme. I don't know if it's investable as far as the theme goes, but we're there. The end of the global coffee glut is coming to an end. Every now and then I see and look at research. And I I don't own shares of Starbucks directly. I probably should because I like the idea. I probably own it through S&P 500 funds and other things like that. So passive versus active. Coffee has fallen below a dollar a pound to trade close to its lowest level in more than a decade. But a global glut that pushed prices down for the last two years is coming to an end. So that tells me, not definitively, but it tells me that Starbucks might be looking at higher costs down the road. And that they might have been enjoying lower costs. They had a tailwind. Now it's turning into a headwind. Coffee market's fighting a war on a lot of different fronts. Brazil's Bumper crop of 2018. Isn't that fantastic? How Brazil does in Arabica, Arabica, Robusta, Robusta, and how they, how much they make and don't make, and how much mold is on them, and how much rain they get. A lot of rain, bad for coffee. Coffee beans get moldy and gross. Which I probably should start a company called Moldy and Gross Coffee Beans because it has a nice ring to it. But right now, there's near-term weather that's expected to be an off year because it's favorable weather for coffee production. It's going to put a damper on prices, say, later this year. So I'm not saying go out and buy all your bags of coffee because I don't really know enough about coffee to tell you about commodity futures. But the cost of production for farmers stands about a buck twenty, a buck fifty. So with prices at sub one dollar levels, it's a deficit on deck for the farmers, and they have to do something about that. Plant less, maybe. Hope the weather changes, maybe. 
you get the idea. So if you're going to be an investor, and I love it, 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 but you got to grasp, it takes homework, and sometimes you're in over your head. So elsewhere out there, CVS Health stock is at a six-year low. Not a big fan of CVS Health. Now, I know they're doing a lot of business. They do a lot of different things. But anytime I go into a CVS, I honestly feel like I could find FBI's 10 Most Wanted all in one store. And oddly enough, in the back bathroom, Elvis Presley. Jimmy Hoffa is working as a cashier. For some reason, I don't like going into drugstores. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the old people. Keep in mind, I'm getting there. I don't know if it's the shelves are like four feet tall because old people can't look above four feet. I don't know. Something's bothering me. So stocks at a six-year low, and they also do pharmacy benefits. They do a lot of other stuff. So they're not just a retailer, but it drives me crazy when I see like friends have like CVS bags. I'm like, what did you do? You went in there and you, you, you spent like nothing's cheap, it feels. And again, I don't necessarily have to live on cheap stuff. Don't get me all wrong. Get me partially wrong, but not all wrong. Anyway, do you know who Kylie Jenner is? Me too. Barely. Um, beautiful young woman, self-made billionaire, took advantage of the Kardashian name on a lot of levels. Nothing wrong with that. Pretty well networked because of her sisters in business. Um, but there's a company called Ulta. And I don't know a lot about makeup. I tend to like stick with the bigger names like L'Oreal as far as investments go. But there's a company called Ulta. And a couple of years ago, I'm driving through the, like, the back roads and I'm like, there's a store in that mall called Ulta. Wonder what that is. So I look it up. And ta-da! Guess what it is? It's a cosmetics company. They sell cosmetics. And guess who they've made a partnership with? Kylie Jenner. And you know what she is? She's a social media influencer. I don't know how many people she has on Instagram because I, I really just don't care enough. But she's got enough that she could say, look at this lipstick. Go to Ulta and buy it. And people are like, okay, I'm going to go to this company and buy that lipstick. So Ulta stock has risen along with her. There's a way to invest in Kylie Jenner. And I know you're saying, really? Yeah. So the top line surging about 9% year over year. They got Kylie Cosmetics, and that's driving the curve. Um, I don't know anyone, most people that I know are more adult-like, but maybe if I were to talk to some 16-year-old girls, they'd be like, yeah, we love Kylie Cosmetics. Um, but you can take a look at Ultra Stock. It's a pretty simple idea. As long as she's partnering with them, there's the rub. Stock could go higher. Take your symbol, U-L-T-A. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 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 Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Sears is being sued over its Craftsman brand. Funny thing about Sears is, at a very young age, I realized it wasn't going to be for me. That my dad shopped there, JCPenney's, you know, that kind of thing. Malls were kind of a thing. Department stores were kind of a thing. And then, I'll tell you what, department stores are going to have to die. And I just talked about Ulta, Medic, um, Ulta Cosmetics. It's a big department store. Uh, the reason I think most stores are struggling is because retail space costs money. I once went to Europe. I know you're saying this is going to be good. It's not that good. I remember walking around the streets of some European city. I want to say it was Germany, but that doesn't feel right. It was France. It was in France somewhere. And I remember walking around and I was like, the grocery stores are small. And then, like, you'd go into, a, like, a, a place that sells video games, and, like, the video games are small. I don't want to make a, a widespread argument that, like, retail space costs money, but retail space costs money. And you look at California, and, you know, a landlord can get $1,000 a square foot, or what's the going rate per month? 690 695 It's all math. So when I go into a Best Buy... And I'm okay with Best Buy. I get that they kind of serve a, a niche. And they've kind of tried to come up with a store inside of a store concept. So when you go in, you can see an Apple store. You can see a Best Buy store kind of thing. Not a Best Buy, uh, Samsung. Uh, Microsoft has its little area. Verizon has its little area. Um, so they lease space to other companies inside their leased space. I, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. But it's still kind of an expensive proposition to me. When you see what's about to happen in the Bay Area, the number of millionaires that are going to be made in 2019 because of Uber and Lyft and other tech IPOs that are coming public, real estate prices are going higher. Rents are going to get higher. There's just too much money out there. And I, I don't want to call it stupid money. But for the sake of it, let's call it stupid money. I'm not a big fan of Tom Hanks. I know you're saying, who hates Tom Hanks? Me. Pick me, pick me, pick me. For some reason, I'm just not a big Tom Hanks fan. So other big stories of note out there today. Um, we're looking at jobs numbers, and we're looking at a, a bad week on Wall Street. Now, you look at the calendar. Turn the page. Uh, January, February, March, where are we at? Mid-March, kind of? We've had one down week of 2% and one down week of two-tenths of 1%. Other than that, the market's been going higher. Question for the devil. Not for the devil. Question from the devil. Would you take that deal? If you could have eight up weeks and two down weeks where the down's not that bad, would you take that deal? I would. You're darn tootin'. So back to Sears and Craftsman real quick. They're getting sued. It doesn't really matter to me. It's kind of a, a sad story. 
But Sears is back in court less than one month after coming out of bankruptcy. Stanley Black & Decker, which accused of breach of contract and trademark infringement over its new line of professional-grade mechanics tools under the Craftsman Ultimate Collection brand. There is something to be said about intellectual property. But it was a store that was meant to die in my mind. It just, our taste changed. And it goes back to like world wars, where after the war, during the war, people moved to the big cities. After the war, people moved out of the big cities. And when you move out of the big cities, you need those Best Buys and you need those um, Outback Steakhouse and you need those kind of generic places to go to. Everything can't be mom and pop. But our, our, our taste in the merge, we like driving. We got out of the city. And you can even see it with like sports complexes. Like the best one that I could tell you is that at one point in time, the Washington Redskins had RFK, which was right in the heart of Washington, D.C. And they get, you know, they, they're like, okay, it only fits like 58,000 people. So let's build something that has 90,000. Where can we put it? Well, we can't put it in the city. Let's go put it in the suburbs. So it's 45 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. It stinks. It's, it should be called the Maryland Redskins. Shouldn't even call it Redskins. It's a politically incorrect name, right? So then, in all their wisdom, they're like, let's move back to the city. Um, the Redskins haven't done that yet because they're still reaping the benefits of FedEx Field. But they will at some point. Same thing with the Washington Capitals. They were in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Maryland, and they moved to downtown Washington as more young people moved to downtown Washington. They wanted young people to come because young people will buy beer. How much is that beer? $12? <laughs> I'll take half of one. That line never goes over well. Uh, but it's out there. So let's talk a little strategy. Um, I'm not a big fan of LinkedIn. It's just, to me, it feels like, I don't know. It just Facebook feels like, hey, look at my great life. LinkedIn feels like kind of like, hey, I actually go to work. It, it doesn't do much for me, but in hindsight, if I can go back to my younger 25-year-old self and I'd say, hey, younger 25 self, pay attention, start networking more. So, you know, I auditioned for a national television show and I bombed. I did a national radio show and I, I, I could pull that off easily. You know what I should have done? I should have tried to audition for a second national television show and a third national television show. I just didn't know enough people. So the guy who was putting together my sizzle reel couldn't get enough sizzle out of me to interest uh, the big boys. I had meetings. I was told, maybe if you yelled more. I'm like, I'm not going to yell at people just to get a rating. So they wanted me to go in people's houses and say, look at your $400 shoes. What are you doing they wanted me to be Gordon Ramsay of financial advice. I'm like, no. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.